Welcome back, my fellow Kentuckians. I am so happy to have you here with me for part three of the Eula Hall story. Now, like I said, part three. If you haven't heard one and two yet, please go back and listen to those first. Every now and again, I see that my parts two and three have more listens uh, than the first episode in a series. That never makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> so whatever suits you, I guess. The last time we were talking about Eula Hall and her trip to D.C., she was lobbying for coal miners' rights, something she loved to do. And then when she got home, she found her house had been vandalized, uh, someone had shot through the windows, someone had torn up the yard. She suspected it was representatives or some higher-ups from the coal companies who, you know, weren't happy with what she'd been doing in Washington. And then to top things off, her ex-husband showed up and was all unruly and hit her in the face with a bottle. So that is where we'll pick up today. Thanks to her ex-husband, McKinley, Eula spent the next month in Our Lady of the Way Hospital, being treated for a broken jaw, cracked eye socket, and split lip. She had to have plastic surgery. She had to have 30 stitches up the inside and outside of her cheek and lip. McKinley was briefly thrown in jail in Pikeville. Eula recovered and eased back into work at the clinic, where things were going pretty well. A new doctor had just started, then they got an RN, an LPN, and then pharmacists, lab techs, a receptionist, and a couple of billing clerks. In 1975, Eula was awarded the Presidential Citation Award by the American Public Health Association. Her co-winner was Betty Friedan, so kind of a big deal. She also started seeing a new man now that McKinley was out of jail and distracted living with some other woman. Eula's new beau was Oliver Bascom Hall. He was another coal miner. So things were going well in the romance department, but there was a hiccup with the clinic. The UMWA, which remember was the miners organization that had been heavily funding the clinic, they took a big hit on health retainers from their strike in 74. In turn, this hurt the funding for the clinic. So at first, they tried to cut salaries and hire more volunteers, but Eula knew this wasn't sustainable long-term. They didn't want to do it, but they knew they had to seek institutional funding. They approached Big Sandy Healthcare, BSH, which already operated two clinics in other counties. They functioned the way FCC-HSP had, referring patients out to the big hospitals, which is exactly what Eula didn't want. So in initial discussions, it was decided the board would maintain 51% of the clinic, their sliding fee scale for the poor, and all board members and staff. And there was a silver lining here because now that they were affiliated with these other two clinics, Eula was able to teach them their ways. Those other two weren't doing things like providing transportation, setting up food pantries, or offering health education. So Eula's good influence and full patient approach stemmed out to them, which was great. They also hired another new doctor, Ellen Joyce, 
She was a former Catholic nun who was very excited to settle and work in eastern Kentucky. After joining BSH, they got a new fetal monitor, an EKG machine, an x-ray, ultrasound, and a one-bed emergency room. They were also learning to diagnose and treat depression, which was hugely important and was previously going undiagnosed all the time. Eastern Kentucky still has a higher than average rate of depression today than the rest of the country. Dr. Joyce also started, quote, counseling and eventually helping complete paperwork for patients who qualified for workers' compensation or disability insurance. It was the last connection point the clinic made for patients that truly brought end-to-end patient coordination services to Mud Creek. They were doing it all. In the late 1970s, Eula married Oliver Bascom. They were both lonely and wanted someone to come home to at night. This big life event certainly didn't keep her from staying involved in all sorts of causes, from black lung, clean water, and union workers' rights, to legal aid for the poor, school lunches, and obviously, health care. But one night in 1982, another big event occurred in Eula's life. Eula went out to one of her son's ball games. She returned to the clinic up in flames. It took the fire department an hour to show up, even though they were nearby and could have been there much sooner, even save the building potentially. They did hang around to try to determine the cause, but the clinic was completely destroyed. The next morning when she went back out to the site, a group of 20 people was already there, contemplating their next move and contemplating revenge. A representative from BSH came by to assess the situation and informed everyone they would be laid off and put on unemployment until they could figure out what to do in the long run. It was summertime, so the nearby elementary school let them set up temporarily in the lunchroom to treat patients. The Floyd County Fiscal Court offered emergency supplies, and the janitor's closet was turned into a makeshift pharmacy. But kids would be back in school in two months so they needed a plan. The fire made Eula paranoid. She was the first to admit she'd made a lot of enemies over the years, stepped on a lot of toes while fighting for what she believed in. But she wasn't sure who would go to such extreme lengths, and understandably, that not knowing made her very nervous. She'd had trouble before. People looking for painkillers had broken into the clinic in the past, She'd even had to hire a night watchman, and she stopped stocking the clinic with addictive painkillers altogether. So here's what the fire department said happened. Someone had started the fire in the trailer behind the main building where the Black Lung Clinic was. Someone had poured gasoline on it, and the trailer had been destroyed before the larger building in front. Now, long before the fire, Eula had taken out a hefty insurance policy which was front of mind as she made plans for a replacement clinic, which she planned to make bigger and better than before. But her relationship with BSH deteriorated. She didn't trust them, and there were rumors they were about to fold anyway. 
so she and a few others prepared to apply for a grant from the Appalachian Regional Commission, ARC, a grant that BSH was also applying for. She wanted to rebuild, but she wanted to do it without BSH. On the day they filed the application, Eula put in a call to Governor John Brown. She asked him to force BSH to pull their application and support Mud Creeks, and he obliged. Eventually, the decision went Eula's way. She got the grant, and here were the terms. They, quote, required the grantee to raise in three months a fifth of the total $400,000 toward the construction of a new clinic. To Eula, a woman who hardly ever had more than a few thousand dollars in her bank account, this lofty goal never seemed insurmountable, just difficult. So, where was this money going to come from? In 1982, 40 years ago, the per capita income in Floyd and Pike counties was around seven or eight grand. So the next three months were dedicated to more door knocking, yard sales, phone calls, and potlucks. Volunteers came together to help fundraise however they could. Eula staged roadblocks on Highway 23, collecting money in buckets. They hosted telethons on local radio stations, and they got the attention of reporters from around Kentucky and surrounding states to tell the story of Eula's clinic, the fire, and the task of rebuilding. The Archdiocese in Covington donated $10,000, and six weeks in, Eula was on Good Morning America. And in less than 90 days, Eula and her team had raised nearly $120,000, much more than the one-fifth they needed to be in business. The board purchased a plot of land in Big Mud for $45,000, and contractors got to work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This new clinic was slated to open in late 1984. It would have a food pantry, state-of-the-art exam rooms, x-ray machines, and a pharmacy. In the meantime, they tried making improvements to the temporary trailer they were using, and her husband was a big help during all of this, but he was also starting to get frustrated that she was just jumping back into everything after all that had just happened. So tensions grew between the couple. Eula was always more devoted to her clinic than her husband, and he knew it. He started becoming verbally abusive. Then he started behaving strangely. He would do things like wear and ruin Eula's son's new college clothes. He would steal their guns and pawn them. And then one day Eula found out that her husband had been stealing money from his own mother. So upon learning this, she headed to the bank. Eula, quote, found his handwriting on a number of checks she had never seen nor endorsed. 
After going home and confronting him, she did get most of her money back. Following, there were a few altercations that luckily didn't escalate into physical violence, but easily could have. But that was that. That was the end of their relationship. And not long after they separated, who would show up but Eula's first husband, McKinley. And this time he needed help. He was having trouble breathing. So first he saw an on-call doctor, and not knowing who he was or the situation, this doctor asked Eula to drive the man to the hospital. And so Eula packed into her car the man who had once nearly killed her, giving her an injury so bad it required plastic surgery. And she drove him to McDowell Hospital. McKinley would go on to be diagnosed with lung cancer. He mentioned to Eula that his wife was having trouble taking care of them, so Eula would often drop off food. And when he passed away, his wife didn't claim his body, so Eula and their kids put together enough money to give him a burial. Now that that chapter of her life was concretely put to bed, she could focus on other things. So, Eula's experiences with the political process, I think, both gave her hope and pause. She watched it on occasion work the way it was supposed to, the democratic process, the majority of people getting what they ask for, but she also had her run-ins with a fair share of crooked politicians, people only looking out for themselves, padding their own pockets. Senator Ted Kennedy had developed an interest in Appalachia and planned a, quote, fact-finding trip to Floyd and Letcher counties to understand the causes for Appalachian poverty himself. This is November 1983. The Kennedy family was and had been generally well-received by the Appalachian people, so this was a welcomed visit. And guess where he stopped on that visit? The famous Mud Creek Clinic where Eula herself was able to give him a tour of the facilities. After the tour, Kennedy was scheduled to speak at Stumbo School, and after he did, a woman also gave a speech about her experience at the Mud Creek Clinic. And in response to this other lady's speech, Kennedy said, quote, "'Makes you wonder, Congressman, "'how many places there are in Eastern Kentucky "'or across the country where there aren't those Eula Halls, and those very special places we saw run by a very special person just makes you wonder. So instead of just taking the praise from Senator Kennedy, Eula gave her prepared speech, which I want to read most of to you now. Quote, it was a pleasure to give you a tour. It was sad to show you the problems that exist in our area. I know you're not to blame. It's a sad thing that the day before Thanksgiving you talk to people who haven't eaten for days. You know, I come to talk to these people due to my position at the Mud Creek Clinic. What we've seen today is a drop in the bucket. People are suffering, hungry, cold, and sick. It's because of cutbacks in the safety net intended to help people. The unemployment rate is high, jobs are scarce, food stamps are minimal. People don't want to live on food stamps, they want jobs. 
It's either you get sick on a fixed income and you can maybe go to the doctor, or you stay home sick. There is no prediction of sickness or problems. You can't predict health. The Mud Creek Clinic charges according to income, but nobody's turned away. We're a primary care center. We don't have an emergency room after hours, and we're closed on weekends. But we do everything we can on nights and weekends, and we do emergency care. People here don't have insurance and can't afford it. Pregnant women have no prenatal care. We can only see them up until delivery, then we try to sneak them to the hospital. No pregnant woman should sneak around to have a baby, but if they don't pay, they won't be delivered. So in 1984, the new clinic opened. Congressmen, doctors, and activists all came together for the opening. Eula had her hair done and bought a new dress for the occasion. And for three more decades, Eula oversaw that clinic. From 8 a.m. until well into the evenings, Eula worked. Until 2011, when at 84 years old, her diabetes started getting in the way. As of 2013, the clinic was still part of BSH with 20 staff members. They saw almost 14,000 uninsured and underinsured patients per year. They had a separate dental clinic, pharmacy, and food pantry. In 2012, the BSH-operated clinic was renamed the Eula Hall Medical Center. There's another paragraph I want to read here, and this is the author of the book talking about sitting down and talking with Eula more recently. So this would be back in 2012 or 2013 when the book was written. Quote, In one of my last interviews with Eula, we spoke about the presidential election. She was an early supporter of President Barack Obama, but has since soured on both political parties. She lamented to me about the fact that every politician, left or right, spoke effusively about the middle class. It was a class that nearly every American aspires to join, and every politician offered policy prescriptions to expand its ranks, but Eula thought they missed the point. Where the hell are the politicians talking about the poor, the lower class, the ones that don't have jobs, food, or shelter, she asked. The middle class already made it, and I agree it's got to grow, but there's still a lot of poor out there. The poor are the ones who desperately want to be middle class. Eula was the recipient of three honorary doctorate degrees from Trinity College, the University of Pikeville, and Berea College. I wanted to find some more up-to-date uh, information, so I googled Mud Creek Health Clinic, and it pops up with the URL freeclinics.com, and here's what it says on their website. Quote, this clinic operates under a sliding scale model. This means that it may not be free depending on your income. You'll be required to prove financial need in order to receive free services or services at a reduced cost. This is a healthcare center funded by the federal government. This means even if you have no insurance, you can be covered. The center is also income-based for those making an income. This health center can cover services such as checkups, treatment, pregnancy care, 
immunizations and childcare, prescription medicine, and mental and substance abuse where applicable. The most updated numbers I could find is that the clinic now has about 40 staff members, so it's actually doubled in the last decade or so, and they see about 1,500 patients per month. In November 2021, Big Sandy Healthcare published a request for proposals for architectural design of a new facility with nearly 14,000 square feet of space. Construction is anticipated to begin in summer of this year with tentative completion by late summer 2024. Eula passed away in May of last year. She was 93 years old. So I'm gonna do something maybe a little unconventional here, but when I was trying to figure out a little bit more about her, her later life, I actually stumbled upon all of her um, online what do you call them? Her online obituary, all the, you know, like testimonials. I, I think there's probably a better word for that. But I, they were really nice and there were so many of them that I thought I would just close this out by reading some of them. So here's what people wrote. Quote, Eula was the hardest working person I ever met. She did more for the people of Mud Creek than anyone. I was proud to be considered a friend. Eula will be missed by so many people. Quote, I join with the sentiments expressed by my husband, but wish also to write separately. Eula was my mentor and friend. She taught me the meaning of social justice and how to calm my firstborn child. I'm forever grateful that we had the opportunity to return to Kentucky after many years to visit with Eula and her family and to help celebrate her achievements. Both my husband and I express our deep and heartfelt sympathy to the entire family. She is greatly missed. Quote, in 2004, my dad took sick out of the blue. He didn't have insurance, and we knew by the huge knot that had popped up on his neck, he needed to see a doctor really soon. I called, spoke to Eula, explained, and she told me bring him the next morning. I've often thought of her kindness over the years, even though my dad passed six months later of cancer. She and Dr. Jagan, the doctor he saw, were so kind, I literally cried right then. Thank you, Ms. Hall, for all you've done, not just for my dad, but for lots of folks who appreciate you. I'm sure your rewards are so many in heaven. Enjoy. Rest in peace. Quote, Goodbye, good friend. Over 50 years ago, I, a newly licensed physician, and my wife, a young lawyer, came to work with the Floyd County Comprehensive Healthcare Program, an OEO program in Floyd County. We thought we were moving to the backwoods of America. We were rapidly dissuaded of this stereotype and met one of the most outstanding persons we would ever meet, Eula Hall. The time we spent, learned, and worked with Eula was among the richest in our lives. Eula was a brilliant, caring person who taught us not only the beauty, strength, and wisdom of Appalachia, but also much of our knowledge of the world. Wonder Woman, we will never have the opportunity to meet your likes again. Rest in peace, dear friend and teacher. <laughs>